You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. What a beautiful day. You know, Easter has been celebrated since around the 16th century. And here's how you can remember when Easter is. You ready? I know you'll want to know this, this information. It's on the first Sunday following the first full moon after the first day of spring. Did you get that? It is after the first Sunday following, or it is the first Sunday following the first full moon after the first day of spring. Easter normally symbolizes springtime, but I, I hear we're supposed to have snow Monday or Tuesday, so we're not, uh, we're not ready for spring in this part of the country anyway. It normally recognizes or, or is, uh, symbolizes beautiful flowers, uh, beautiful colors, the green breaking through, the, uh, the brown dirt, and, and just, just new life. That's Easter. But for the last 2,000 years, the first Sunday following the first full moon, Christians have celebrated life, have celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His resurrection made it possible for you and I to be born again. His death, burial, and resurrection made it possible for us to have new life in Christ because he paid the penalty for our sin. And Jesus, who paid the penalty for our sin, is not still in the grave. He has risen, proving that he is the Son of God. If you have your Bibles, as I said earlier, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 23 and 24 primarily. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 23 and 24, we are, going to, we are going to discover how the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a living hope. Hope for today and hope for all eternity. Now, I've said this before, but I believe it needs to be repeated. Biblical hope is not a wish. When we say we have Hope, it is not, we are not saying as Christians that we wish something is going to happen. Biblical hope is not a gamble. It's not that we're gambling on our eternity to say we are putting our hope in Jesus Christ. Biblical hope is not crossing your fingers and hoping something is going to happen or not happen. That's not biblical hope. And there are many today who have that type of hope, the hope that I was giving you, those examples. There are many today who will say something like this. When you ask them about their, their eternity, they'll say something like this. I hope I make it. Listen, that's not biblical hope. Or they'll say something like, I hope when I die, I go to heaven. Do you hear the uncertainty? Do you hear the gamble? Do you hear the wish in those 
statements. Listen, you do not have to gamble with your eternity. You can have the confident assurance of your salvation. Romans 10 verse 9 says this. Listen to this. Romans 10 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says this. You will be saved. Not might be. Not hopefully so. Not I'm wishing I will be saved. No, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? Man, we're going to have to get some of those little uh, honkers next time we're in the sanctuary. We're all, that's, this is the most amens we've had. My eight, nine years of preaching. Amen. Hey, a number of years ago, off the coast of Massachusetts, a submarine became disabled and sank to the ocean floor. Divers went down to see if there were any survivors. And one scuba diver made it all the way to the bottom of that sunken submarine and began to investigate if there was any way of bringing it back to the surface. And as he was diving around the submarine, he began to hear a tap, tap, tap. And the more he listened and the closer that he got to the source of that tap, he realized, he recognized that he was hearing Morse code. And the person on the other side of that sunken submarine was tapping in Morse code, is there any hope? Here's a cabin full of sailors in a sunken submarine, and from the inside, they know there's something on the outside of them, and they are tapping, is there any hope? Is there any hope? And this is the question that many people in our world is asking today. Is there any hope? To personalize it, they might say it this way. Is there any hope for me? It seems like this world is in more trouble than it ever has been. Definitely in my lifetime. And the world is asking, is there any hope? The United States death rate due to this demonic virus as last checked this morning was 20,651. 20,651 people have died due to this demonic virus. Listen, that is almost seven times the amount that died in the World Trade Centers. And there are many people who are asking, is there any hope? Unemployment is at a record high. The economy is in the tank. And people are concerned about their life, about their financial life, their financial future. The vast majority of, of governors and, and local officials have done a great job communicating the policies that help keep us safe 
in this new day. But like any organization, there are some governors, there are some local officials who are overreaching their authority in the name of safety, but in reality, it is in the name of their long-held political beliefs. And people are starting to ask. They're starting to look at the days ahead, the weeks ahead, the months ahead, and they're beginning to ask, with this leadership, is there any hope? People are facing stress and anxiety and a sense of defeat, even despair like we have never known. And politicians are doing their best to put a positive spin on the news, and I, I am thankful that they do. I wouldn't, wanna, I wouldn't want to follow a politician that gets up there and just begins to wring their hands and say, just throw in the towel, we're doomed. No, we don't want to hear that. They're, they're doing their best to give us a positive spin. They have a desire, the longing. They, they tell us that things are going to get better. They try to give us hope and, and a promise. They try to promise us a, a brighter future. But is that the hope that we read about in the Bible? Just the promise of something better? The promise of something brighter? That hopefully, wishfully, we will find something else, something more? Now listen, I believe in positive thinking. I believe in, in, in having a... Uh, Having a right attitude helps you throughout the day. I, I, I kind of like, uh, like Dovey Sears, the way Dovey would say it this way. If you remember Dovey, Dovey would say this. It doesn't matter if you have a glass half full or a, half, or a glass half empty. Just be glad you have a glass. <laughs> I heard of a story of an 87-year-old woman who went out on a blind date with a 93-year-old man. That's blind optimism. <laughs> she went out on this date, 87-year-old woman, 93-year-old man. She goes out on the date, and she comes back, and her 70-year-old daughter asks her, Mom, how, how was the date? This 87-year-old mother says, it was horrible. It was bad. And, and the daughter says, well, well why? why? Why was it so bad? What, what happened? Did, did he try to get fresh with you? And she said, no. I had to slap him three times. And she said, you did what? You slapped him on a date, on your, on your first date? Yes. Why did you slap him? Because I thought, I, I thought he was dead. <laughs> Thank you, Alan, for laughing. I got a couple of, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, that's blind optimism. Christians, we have something so much more than blind optimism. We have a living hope because we have a living Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. We don't, amen, amen. So let's get into it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Listen to what the scripture says. Once you were alienated, get this, once, at one time, brothers and sisters in Christ, at one moment in your life, you were alienated from God. You were hostile to God in your minds, expressed in your evil actions. But now, oh, I love those two words, but 
now he has reconciled you meaning this that he has made you right who is this he this he is jesus christ this he is the one we place our hope in he has reconciled you he has brought you into the right relationship with god listen to what it says he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you this is so good through his body by his physical death to present you to god the father as holy as faultless as blameless that is who we place our hope in my hope is not in my sacrifice my hope is not in my faithfulness my hope is in jesus christ and in jesus christ alone who presents me god the father as holy as righteous as blameless and faultless so listen i say this if i was to know that i was going to die in the next day or two weeks or three weeks here's what i would say i know that i will spend my eternity before god the father why do you know that russ because of something you have done because you're the pastor because you held this drive-in church on easter sunday nope it's not because of anything i did it is all because of what jesus christ did on the cross that is where we place our hope oh i love the song that we sang just a moment ago released from my sin i'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully bore he canceled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested my life began when death was arrested my life began jesus christ gives us a living hope for today and for all eternity hey do you know what separates christianity from all other ancient religions and modern day mysticisms you know what separates us from all the others we have a living savior savior no other ancient religion or modern day religion has a living savior no mysticism no, nothing that that this mystic world puts their hope in or puts their faith in has a living god they are all dead idols made by human hands we have a living savior in 2000 years ago at an empty tomb in jerusalem the son of god overcame death hell and the grave listen the tomb is empty let me say that again because that base kind of scared me when it fell listen the tomb is empty and it is empty listen it kim, listen kim and i saw it we were there we saw that it was empty we went in and and we weren't we weren't going in wondering if it was empty we knew going in but i am here to tell you that jesus christ's tomb is empty but don't take my word for it take the word of the angel that was sent by god in matthew chapter 28 verse 6 the angel said to mary he has risen just like he said oh listen god's word proclaims jesus rose from the dead many people have seen that jesus christ rose from the dead and today i have been to the tomb and i can tell you jesus is not there he is alive we have a christian hope we have an unshakable confidence in the promise and the trustworthiness of god 
And that's what the Bible calls, hear me, that is what the Bible calls the blessed hope. What's this? The blessed hope, the hope that we find in Scripture is the hope that is like an anchor, that is steadfast in the storm, that keeps us from drifting off into places that we shouldn't go. That is the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ. But what does that mean for us individually? What does that mean, not just for our eternity, but what does that mean for us every single day? Well, look at verse 21 again. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Once you were. I love the past tense of that. There was a time in my life where this was true about me. I was alienated from God. I was hostile from God. And there might be some that are here today or you're listening on the radio or you're watching via one of our live streams and you feel like you are alienated from God. You are an enemy of God. Listen, that is who we are without the covering, the bloodshed of Jesus Christ on our body. And it says that Paul is writing to a bunch of Christians. You were alienated. You were hostile in your minds. And we can see that as it's being played out by your evil actions. That is the proof by your evil actions. But now, oh, this is good. But now, he, Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the one who is before all things and after all things, he has reconciled you by what means? By his physical body. How? Through his death. Why? Why did Jesus do it? To present you to God as holy and blameless and faultless. Oh, listen. Because we have a living hope. Here's where it applies to us individually. We have a new standing before God. Because of this living hope, we have a new standing before God. I was an enemy of Christ. I was alienated and hostile to God. But now He reconciled me. If you are a child of God, you can say that as well. He has reconciled you. I'm telling you, there is no failure. There is no sin. There is no shame. There is no grief. There is no issue in our lives that the power of God, of Christ, will not purify you. You need to hear that again. There is no sin. There is no shame. There is no grief that the power of Jesus Christ cannot purify you. He can. All right. This is getting crazy out here. Y'all are doing good. Hang on a second. Hey, has it ever occurred to you that Jesus sees you as a trophy of His grace? I, I'm not talking about one of those trophies that that um, that everybody gets, you know, like if you just showed up to the to the uh, to the sport, like everybody gets a ribbon. I'm not I'm not talking about that type of trophy. I'm talking about 
the precious trophy. And Jesus sees you as a trophy of his grace. That's what it tells us. In verse 22, he did this to present you. I want you to think of Jesus taking you before God the Father and presenting you and saying to his Father, say, listen, I want you to see, you see this one, God? Oh, yeah, I, I see that one. God, he, he's, not, he's not perfect just yet. God says this, I know he's not. But you know what I see when I see your gift of grace, Jesus? I see your precious blood covering that young man. I see your precious blood that you shed on the cross covering that young woman. And he is blameless. He is faultless. He is righteous before me because of what they did. No, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a trophy of his grace. Amen? Hey, hey, write this down. If you have your Bible or if you're taking notes, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. In Ephesians, we see the same thing, that we are a trophy of his grace. Look at verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that, watch this, here it is, you ready? The purpose. So that he might display you. Oh, listen, Jesus isn't putting you in a closet in heaven. Jesus, as a trophy of his grace, is displaying you, all of you who've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a trophy of his grace listen we have a new standing before god the father because we have a living savior we have a living hope and this is my jesus who lives in us because we are his trophy this is why he wants to take command of our future he wants to take command of our decisions he wants to take command of our days because he is Lord and because he is love. He wants to live fully and completely through us, which leads me to my third point. We have a living hope because we have a living Savior. We have a new standing. And third is this. We have a new purpose. We see it in verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1. We have a new purpose. Look at verse 23. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for my, save, for my salvation. Listen, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant. Watch this. Here it is. And I, Paul, have become a servant of it. The it 
is the gospel. I have been a servant of the gospel. The, Paul used to have a purpose. And Paul's purpose before he met Jesus Christ was to arrest anyone who would proclaim what we are proclaiming here today. He would arrest us and he would throw us in jail because of what we're doing, even have us killed. But Paul is saying this, because I have been I have, I have been sanctified or I've been justified by Jesus Christ because he, is, he has paid the penalty of my debt. I have a new purpose in life, and that is to be a servant of the gospel. Listen, Paul, when he says here, if indeed you remain grounded, he isn't talking about the loss of our salvation. It's about losing, hear me, it's about losing our offering to God. What Jesus did on the cross was a gift to God. Jesus says, Father, I have fulfilled your will. I have done what you sent me to do. It is finished. What Jesus did on the cross is his gift to God. But here's the good part. You and I, and everyone listening, everyone watching, get to be the beneficiaries of the gift that Jesus gives to God. Now, now, follow this. Follow along with me. What you do with your life, with your faith, is your gift to Jesus. Let me say it again. What you do with your life, what you do with your faith is your gift to Jesus. And here's the good part. The people that God place you around, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, they are the beneficiaries of your gift to Jesus Christ. Just like you're a beneficiary of Jesus' gift to God, the people that God has placed you around is the beneficiary of your gift to, G to Jesus Christ. You have a purpose. And your purpose in life, from now until Jesus Christ comes back, or you breathe your very last, last breath, is to be a servant of the gospel. That is what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Listen, Christ deserves all that we are. He deserves all that we have. He is more than worthy. We give our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. Our eyes are to be the eyes of Christ, seeing the hurting in our neighborhood, seeing the hurting in our family. Our faces should, should shine with the countenance of Christ in us, with the joy of a Savior who lives in us. Our very faces should shine with the beauty of Jesus. Our ears should be the ears of Christ, hearing the cries of hurting people around us. Our hands ought to be the hands of Christ, working for his honor and glory. Our feet ought to be the feet of Christ, going, proclaiming his honor and glory. Our heart should be the heart of Christ, beating that is in our life. Christ, our heart should beat Christ. Our lips should be the lips of Christ telling the story to the world. This is what Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, just a few verses farther than, than what we're reading today. The hope 
of, I'm sorry, in Christ, the hope of glory. Listen, we have a new reason to get up every single day. It doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm not saying being ignorant of what's on the news. I'm not saying to be uh, just, uh, just a, a careless attitude of what's going on around us. No, actually, we ought to care about what's going on around us. But listen, we have a new purpose to get up every single day. This is not a time for Christians to be silent. This is not a time for us to hide, to cower in fear. Or, oh my goodness, this is not a time for us to lose hope. This is a time that Christians should be standing up. We should be on the front lines ministering to the hurting, the grieving, sharing where our hope comes from. I don't believe there has ever been a time in our lifetime that Christians have today to be hope dealers, to be dealing hope to the people that is all around us that have no hope. This is our time to be able to do that. If we don't do it, the government's going to do it, and the government cannot offer the hope that, that Christians have. We must. And listen, if we don't, and the government is the one that's passing out the hope, passing out the peace, passing out help. If they're the ones, listen, we cannot cry when they don't come to us. We cannot cry when they don't listen to us. And we cannot cry when they're, when they're dependent on the government. We must. This is the time for Christians to use our eyes, for us to use our ears, for us to use our hands, for us to use our feet, for us to use our mouth and proclaim the hope we have in Christ. When this world is hopeless, when this world is, is going through the mess that it's going in, Christians can share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus doesn't want... He doesn't want a guest room in our life. He wants all of us. He doesn't want this little security pocket that gets us into heaven. He wants all of us. Listen, He is presenting us to God the Father as a trophy of His grace. And He wants all of us. Jesus who is Lord, the image of the invisible God. He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that, listen, He might come to have first place in all of our lives. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is alive in me. And he is alive in all who call upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have That's all right. Go ahead. Listen, if you have not, today you can give him your life. You can say yes to him. You can do what Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says. You can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead. And your gambling hope turns to an assurance of hope. You will be saved. Listen, I want to I want to pray for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Right now, I want to ask you if you long for the type of hope that I've been talking about. If you hunger for the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ, then I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. You can do this right where you're seated in your car. You can do this if you're watching at home. Listen, you can pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I turn from my sin. I repent from my sin, and I receive you. I trust in you as Lord and Savior. Listen, just a simple prayer of faith. Pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you, if you're, if, you are, uh, if you're here with us today, then contact one of us. You will, you will find on our website, in our church app, a contact card that you can fill out. We will get back with you, and we will walk you through the next steps of your salvation. We'll, we want to help you grow in your faith in Christ. If you're, if you're watching online, same thing. Just go to, uh, go, there will be a link on the Facebook Live page that you can click on, and it will take you to a Connect card. You fill out as much information on there as you want to fill out, but let us know the decision that you made today to give your life to Christ, to rededicate your life to Christ, or if you would like to be a part of this church family, to be on mission with us, to be about who God has called us to be, let us know by filling out that Connect card. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.